0: So glad to see you with us this morning. See some young people as well. No one has a sugar coma yet from all of the candy last night. Hopefully, I uh, at our house we handed out quite a bit of candy. Ran out, and we're looking for anything to hand out that was in a package. And so we had a bunch of oatmeal from <laughs> one of those school meals, and kids were taking it. So, so there's that, uh, but we're glad you're here, and we're glad that you're worshiping, and, and if you missed last Sunday, we, were, uh, we had a great family service, really enjoyed uh, being over in uh, Shakopee with Pastor Kenny last week, but was able to see the video of what you guys were doing here with your, your massive stones, and we get to complete that story this morning in our Elijah series, the final six verses of, of 1 Kings 18, uh, in a, a sermon, we're, we're talking, or I'm calling God Keeps His Promises in First Kings 18. But if you remember, last week was phenomenal because you had 450 prophets all screaming out to the, to the god Baal, answer us, answer us, send the fire. No one answered. No one said a word. But when Elijah gets up to bat and he says, God, show yourself to these people that they may turn their hearts back to you. What happened? He didn't just send enough fire like you may have seen last night at campfires throughout the community. Nice wood burning and, and the different spots of fire. He didn't just send enough fire to burn the wood, but to burn the bull, the wood, the stones, and the water. God sent an insane amount of fire to show who was boss, to flex his muscles to the watching world that he was in control. And the uh, people, when they see that, you remember how they responded? Those same people that had been adulterous in their relationship with God, serving the Baals, oh yeah, we believe in God, but we also think Baal is a a worthwhile God, they all fell on their face and they say, the Lord, he is God, Yahweh, he is God, God. The prophet whose righteousness and power flowed from his single-minded devotion had seen God answer, and today, yet again, we're going to see the power of God at work through the prayer of a man with single-minded devotion to him. Now, if you're watching online, hopefully you're dialed into our Facebook page if you've, uh, you've uh, subscribed to the YouTube, that you're getting the, the different teachings that come in the in-betweens, and one of them this week was Pastor Kenny kind of asked the question, why the fire? Why did he choose fire? And I think one reason that, that Kenny gives, which is right, is it kind of invoked this corporate memory of God's people. They remembered when God led them out of Egypt with a, uh, a cloud at night, and, or a, a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night, right? That as they saw that fire, I, it's likely that it kind of reminded them uh, Oh, yeah, God's on the move again. We should follow Him, because that's what they did. When they saw God uh, in, in the smoker in the fire, they would, they would lead, and uh, He would lead them, and they would follow. And so I think there is many ways in which Elijah is like a new Moses, and we see these wonderful uh, parallels to how uh, the different uh, plagues showed the impotence of the Egyptian gods as opposed to the the power of of, of the one true God, just as we saw on Mount Carmel, that Baal is no God at all. But but another reason, and probably a, a simpler one, is when you're about to have rain, typically there's lightning and thunder, right? Could it be that that explosive fire was really God saying, hey, Three and a half years of famine, I'm about to answer your prayers. It wasn't just fire, but it was connected to God answering the prayer that he said he would answer to Elijah at the beginning of our chapter. Go to Ahab, reveal yourself to Ahab, and I will send the rain. And we have this contest and the fire, and it's showing that the rain is on its way. Huge explosion of fire. If you were here last week, we had these in uh, the bags for the kids. Yes! And we still have some in that front row. Thank you so much. With five, well actually we have six kids now. With six kids, uh, everything that's handed out at church kind of takes over our house. And so as I was even preparing this, this was like falling off a shelf. I'm like, oh yeah. I, I, I love the tools that we have to remind us of God's incredible power. And we see we see the fire of God at work. When, when Elijah prayed for fire, God answered. And today, when when Elijah prays for rain, he's going to answer again. So 1 Kings 18. If you have your Bible, would encourage you to turn there. Um, we're finishing up 1 Kings 18. This the, the end of, of this chapter, the final six verses, starting in verse 41. And in this story, Elijah demonstrates an unwavering, single-minded trust that God would keep his promise. As sure as he sent fire, he is going to send the rain. And Elijah says to Ahab, go, eat and drink, because I, I can already hear the rain coming. Meanwhile, he goes and prays. He bows his head down, his face on the ground between his knees, and he prays. And he tells his servant, go, look. And, and tell me what you see. Look for, for, uh, for rain. And the servant comes and says, there's nothing. Okay, go look again. Nothing. Go look again. Nothing. Finally, the seventh time, what happens? He sees just a small little, just a little cloud about the size of a hand's, man's hand. Uh, that... The rain's on its way, I see that cloud. So he tells Ahab, go to your wife and Jezebel in Jezreel and take the chariot, because when the rain hits, it's gonna be so heavy that your chariot might get stuck in the mud. So you better head off right away. Meanwhile, what happens in verse 45? The heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a not just a rain, a great rain. A great rain. And we were going to talk with the facility services and try to interact in a family ministry style, set off the, the, uh, the water alarms today and, and douse you all to get a full feel, but they advised against that. So you'll just have to, to picture the torrential downpour that was the exclamation point of God's answering prayer. There was a great rain. And after three and a half years of drought, it was a celebration. And Ahab, as he's riding to Jezebel in, in his chariot, the Lord comes upon Elijah and he actually outruns the chariot. That's 17 miles to, uh, to the capital city. Wow, what a day, huh? What a day, what a day. I, I love how theologian Paul House uh, describes this. He says, when the rain comes... The Lord's victory is complete. He keeps his promises. And as we've been in this story, we see God sustains and protects his prophets. Baal lets his die, all 450 of them. Yahweh feeds the widows and raises the dead. Baal, he lets the needy suffer in famine, not answering, not responding. Yahweh sends fire and rain from heaven. Baal can't respond to his most valiant worshipers. A Baal like God is no God at all. But a God like Yahweh must be God of all. And rain in this passage is not just rain. It is evidence of God's absolute sovereignty over nature and human affairs. And so when we see this story We have much to learn from it. And that's why James in the New Testament, he picks up this story and he uses it and applies it to us. It's so easy as we read this story to be like, wow, I'm not seeing fire from heaven or answering to prayer in this extreme fashion. And it's easy to say, how do I relate to this? But as our series title has said, Elijah, ordinary person, extraordinary God. And we serve an extraordinary God who does extraordinary things in the lives of his people when we demonstrate single-minded devotion to him. We see a powerful example of prayer in Elijah that James helps us learn from. And so, if, if you're able, I'd encourage you to flip over to James chapter 5, starting in verse 16. James 5, 16, 17, and 18 are going to give us some insights about how we can learn and grow in our prayer life using Elijah as an example. And I think one of the reasons why James thinks of Elijah is because, as we've been saying in our sermon series, we need to have single-minded devotion to God. James was totally on the same uh thought pattern. Because all throughout the book of James, he is emphasizing single-minded devotion to God as well. It's almost like a a New Testament parallel to this Old Testament theme. Consider three examples. In James 1, verses 6 and 8, we're supposed to pray asking in faith, not double-minded. Not double-minded. James 4, verses 3 and 4, we're supposed to pray We're not supposed to pray asking wrongly to consume it upon our lust, like personally, as adulterous people. We're supposed to be single-minded, not adulterous in our our love for God, not sharing that love with others. And then also in James 4 verse 8, he he admonishes his his hearers, purify your hearts, you double-minded And so, as he's thinking through and trying to teach on double mindedness and we should instead be single minded, what's the example that comes to mind? Elijah. And so, he ends his book with this example in James 5. Elijah was a man of prayer. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, great power. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, verse 17. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So what can we learn from Elijah that James wants to teach us? And if you look in verse 16, there's an important qualifier To to Elijah. The prayer of a what kind of person? Righteous. The prayer of a righteous person. That we should pray in righteousness would be the first of three points that we can see just taking each of these verses in James. Pray in righteousness. This is review. If you were here two weeks ago, Pastor Matt shared about this, but I was gone on fall retreat, and some of you may have been gone on fall retreat as well. And so it's worth repeating that a righteous person is the kind of prayers that are being answered in this text. A righteous person. Elijah's prayers were powerful because of his single-minded devotion to God and his righteousness. Do you want a powerful prayer life? It starts with single-minded devotion to God and his righteousness, in display in your life. The Bible connects prayer to our walk with God. Actually, go back. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. The psalmist is saying, as I desire iniquity or cherish things that aren't God in my heart, the Lord does not listen to my prayer. Another way It's said in in, in Isaiah, Is behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. He does not hear. Not hearing is the Bible's way of saying God won't say yes to the requests that you are bringing. Why? Because you're walking away from him in sin. My uh, son, one of them, doesn't particularly enjoy sitting next to one of my daughters at dinner time because she annoys him, and it's she is kind of a stinker. But he he gets really rude about his. Unwillingness to sit next to his sister makes a big stink at dinner time. Too many days that I can count. And when I'm eating dinner and I try to force him to sit in the seat, we only have so many seats, we're kind of crowded around this kitchen table, and he's making a stink about sitting next to his sister. Then he asks for dessert. What are we having for dessert today, Dad? Do you think I'm inclined to say, oh, let's get some some frozen novelties out of the freezer. I cannot wait to bestow these things upon your your sweet little uh, mouth. Is there any inclination for that, do you think? No. I I have nothing in me wants to reward the, the poor path that he has chosen. I don't want to reinforce the horrible habits And the poor attitude that he has towards his sister, it reinforces that wrong path, right? God, however, is eager to say yes to the righteous, and I am eager to bless my son when he acts the way he should act. Look at at Psalm 34, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. I want, I want to make it really clear. I want to clarify. It's not that we earn God's blessing through our love and our righteousness. It is that God is a father who is eager to bless his children when they are running the right way, walking in his path. Nothing I want more than to pour out my blessings on my kids when they are walking the right path. My daughter, oldest daughter, Lucy, a couple months ago when COVID began, uh, like my other two oldest, was in school. You know, this, the grand pivot of having to do everything online, as we continue to try to figure out what what this world looks like with doing online education. And the youngest two girls who aren't in school yet, or weren't in school yet, they looked at the older three in our home and said, oh, I I wanna be in school, I wanna be in school. Could you play school with us? And it's kind of a hassle sometimes for Lucy, but when I see Lucy saying, dad, I see that Lydia and Laura really want to play school. I, I'd like to play school with them, but I need a couple things. Could you help me? I, I'm thinking about setting up a tent so we can do some camping in our in learning in that way, a hammock, and I'm thinking about doing some art supplies to maybe make some. Whatever she wants, I am chomping at the bit to give her. Why? Because she is showing love for her sisters. She desires good for her sisters. She's inconveniencing herself to entertain her two little sisters. And as a dad, I leap for joy. Yes, what can I do to help you love your sisters? That's the heart of a father to children who are walking the right way. Whatever she wanted, I wanted to help. And God loves, loves to pour out his blessings on people who are walking in the path of love. He desires to do that. He wants to see our hearts in the right place and to honor and bless us when they are. And so we see from Elijah this powerful example that we should pray in righteousness. But we also see point number two is that we should pray for whatever brings people to God. We should pray for what brings people to God. And we saw this when when Elijah prayed on Mount Carmel last week. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people who are watching all this may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. He desired the people who were watching to turn back to God. That was motivating Elijah's prayer. And the question I have for us this morning is, what motivates our prayer? In our prayer life, we often focus on safety, blessings, comfort. They're good things. They're good things. But they aren't always ultimate things. We, we do pray for people to feel better and more success at work, maybe to get that promotion, uh, for our kids to get into that school or do better at school, whatever it might be. All fine prayers, but what if our prayers were motivated, were, were motivated by something deeper and grander? God's priority for our prayer lives is that we would pray for what? What brings people into deeper worship of him. Consider how Jesus taught us to pray. How does he begin? You want to know how to pray? Notice the themes of the Lord's Prayer. Holy, hallowed is your name. He begins to pray for what causes more people to lift up his name. Or thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He Wants us to pray for what will bring more of his kingdom rule into people's lives. There's a, a focus, a Godward focus, in the, the prayers that Jesus encourages us to pray. Consider uh, Elijah. He had prayed for there to be no rain. Do you think that provided much comfort to his fellow people? in the northern kingdom, people were frustrated that there was no rain. And yet, the reason for the prayer for no rain was so that people would turn back to God. So sometimes when we pray, we pray for something that isn't comfortable because it is Godward and to turn people to God. So if uh, you guys were in small group, we're having life group uh, trivia night. And let's say at Life Group Trivia Night, you look over at the table and there's Jonah. He happens to be in your life group. And he says, hey, because of this pandemic, I got a killer deal on boat rides. Man, they were going like hotcakes. So I got this boat ride to Tarshish and I just want to pray that it would go well. Could you guys just pray for me that as I travel to Tarshish that I get kind of seasick from time to time. And I just ask that you'd pray that my my stomach doesn't get in a nod, and that, that the boat, there's no problems with the boat. I want to make it there safely and calmly. If you could just pray for that, that'd be great. Should we, as fellow life group members, with our friend Jonah, pray to that end? No, <laughs> right? We need to pray that God would bring storms into Jonah's life, that he would turn back to God and do the thing that we found out a couple weeks ago when he said, yeah, God has an assignment for me, but I keep ignoring him, right? And that is the impulse. There's this beautiful example that Elijah gives to us to pray for the storms to come, if that's what it takes to bring us back to God. As a youth pastor, for years of uh, doing youth group and, and excited after a night of uh, meeting with the students and the ones that are excited to be there, learn about Jesus, time and time again, I will end those nights a little discouraged because I remember the kid or two that aren't in the room, that I know should be in the room. And, And it breaks my heart to know that that there's prodigals that are not home, that are not believing in God and trusting in God. And some of you as parents know what I'm talking about. You have a son or a daughter, a grandson, a granddaughter, a friend, perhaps, a co-worker, who you know is not walking with God. Elijah offers this encouragement and this example That our prayers, though difficult, should be for whatever it takes, God. Whatever. Whatever it takes, would you bring them back? Whatever it takes. Even if it means their hurt and the hurt of those around them. I don't ultimately want them to be comfortable. I want them to be in your arms. I want them to, to come to you. And Elijah gives this, this beautiful reminder, that is what we are about as God's people. Not just people's comfort, but for them to be brought back to God. And lastly, we see in the example of Elijah that we should pray not only in righteousness and pray for what will bring people to God, but we should pray with Tenacity to pray with tenacity, and if you look in verse uh, seventeen, sorry, verse eighteen of James, it's really uh, you, you'd miss it if we if you just read James because it says, "Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit." Oh, that's nice. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and then he prayed that it would rain. That seems kind of easy, but we know because we. We just looked at it in 1 Kings 18, that it wasn't just praying again. In the word again, it was, he prayed again and again. Hey, servant, can you go check the cloud again? Huh, no? And again, servant, uh, update on that cloud. And again, oh yeah, servant, could you go pray or look to see if there's a cloud? And again, seven times. Incredible Tenacity. To pray and pray and pray. He knew God would answer, but it took patience and pursuit. Is he going to give up even though he didn't answer on the fifth, the sixth time? No, he's going to dig in and pray harder. And this is what Jesus taught his disciples to do in prayer. In Luke 18, verse 1. When he, when he told that well-known uh, persistent widow parable. He told this, his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. In that same section, he says, the faithful cry out to him day and night. Paul also taught this. In Colossians 4, verse 2, Paul was very clear. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with Thanksgiving, even the writer of Hebrews in the very well-known uh, start to Hebrews 11, that, that great chapter about faith, without faith, it's impossible to please Him," in Hebrews 11:6, "For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that he rewards those who seek Him. The Lord must be diligently sought. Don't give up when we don't hear answers. Let's learn what it looks like. As Isaiah 62, 7 says, give him no rest. Give God no rest until we hear from God. A couple weeks ago, as I mentioned, we were on fall retreat, and we were having a blast. We played some games out in a big field, and after playing games in this field, one of the gals noticed, what's this? I'm missing my earring. Oh no, where's my earring? Guys, can you help me look? And the adults are like, this is a big field. It's a small earring. Why don't you guys go back to your cabins? Sure, we'll look for a little bit. We looked. More people looked. One of the program staff got a uh, metal detector to go comb the field, trying to look... We're not going to find this earring. We're not going to find this earring. But some of the students didn't give up. They prayed with tenacity. They kept praying, no, God, you'll you'll show us where that earring is. You'll show us. They kept praying. They kept praying. I think most of the program staff had checked out at this point. Like, yeah, it's not. (laughs) it's Needle in a haystack, ever heard of it? Like this field, there's no way. They kept praying. They kept praying. Quite a bit of time later, someone happens to walk by. Oh, were they standing over here? Yeah. What's this? Reaches down, picks up in an empty field this this single earring. God answered the tenacious prayers of some girl D groups who really wanted God to answer. And what I love about that is that God didn't need to But he was so kind in doing that. So kind. And what did he do? He reminded us at fall retreat that he's listening. He hears. Even the little things that some adults are like, it's just an earring. No, he knows the importance of each of our prayers. And he's listening and he loves to kind of show off his ability to answer those whenever he wants. I love God's Ability to do that. But yet, many of us in this room, God hasn't answered our prayer. We might, have been, we might be praying for something right now that he still has not answered. Could it be that he's too busy to hear? Could it be that, well, we keep catching him on one of his bad days? Could it be that, well, we just need to pile up a, a pile of prayers high enough for him to take notice? No, no, no. That's not at all the case. Why are we to be persistent in prayer and relentless? Because persistent in prayer, persistence in prayer expresses our faith, and God loves to respond to that faith. You know, this weekend my my son, actually it was last weekend, my son really wanted to build a, a cardboard wood like ramp for his scooter in the garage. And I'm busy, I'm busy. he comes to me, can can you help me build this ramp? No, 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 no. Comes again the next day, hey, I really want you to build it. I really want you to build it. (sighs) Okay, I'm busy. "Can, Can you help me build? Time and time again, all weekend long. All weekend long. And he asked me, and he asked me, and he asked me. If he had just asked once and left it alone, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal to him. But he was showing me, A, that it was a big deal, but B, that he believed I was the one who could help him with his problem. Dad, I I believe, he's demonstrated to me, you're the one who's going to help me figure this out. And that is the core of what our Heavenly Father loves so much. When we come back relentlessly in prayer asking, For what is good and what is best, we demonstrate the faith that is most important to God, that we believe he is in control and that he won't let a little silence deter us from our belief in him and his goodness. He loves to answer and he loves to build in us a dependence on and a reminder, even in our own hearts and mind, he's the only, unless he comes through, we're sunk. He's the only answer to our prayer we must be relentless in our prayer and so I ask us this week will we keep praying with tenacity for those who need Jesus will we pray with tenacity for those sins that we need to be freed from Will we pre- keep praying with tenacity for those relationships that need to be restored? Let's pray now to that end. Lord, thank you for the example of Elijah who prayed relentlessly and you delivered. Lord, that the beautiful picture of rain coming in answer to that prayer. We want the rain to come. And we want to worship you as the bringer of rain. Because we know that you desire to give good gifts to your children. Not stones or scorpions, but good gifts. You love us and you want to see our faith on display. And so answer us, Lord. Answer us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.